Mm. <laughs> Tastes a little bit like cough mixture. I didn't think we would give up. I thought we might, other stuff might get in the way. Okay. And some stuff did get in the way. But episode two. Yeah. I mean. This is exciting. No one can argue with episode two. No. Episode two is intention to yeah. continue. Shall we just stop and go home like we've done <laughs> What this is it. And then just from now on, like nobody's listening anyway. So we'll just have loads of episodes. They're all 30 seconds long. And every the beginning yeah. of each one, we're like, woo, episode 45, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we could even do that now. We could just like record 45 intros yeah just no content yeah and we did episode one twice i just want everyone to know that i listened to about five hours of content for about (laughs) i wrote a blog on Mm. how terrible our first attempt was okay so people know about that and part of that was because we were drinking and so what do we do for episode two we start with a negroni we yeah but it's one drink it's not a bottle true (laughs) <laughs> anyway so uh welcome to episode two um hopefully you enjoyed episode one and today we're going to be talking to libby about um why she quit university the first time the first time yeah because the there was more time. than there was more than one uh yes but okay. i mean i don't want to i don't want to introduce spoilers <laughs> we're just going to talk about the first time okay fine. well before we do what are you excited about this week libby uh so this week i have been looking for a new job Which is weird, because I wrote a blog about how to write a CV if you are not consistently moving in the same direction with your career. Yeah, how to reframe Um, things, that's good. Yeah, which was cool, because a guy asked me a question at an interview, he's like, hey, your CV looks like a shit show, how did this happen? He didn't didn't use those words, but he meant that. He implied them. And I was like, oh, I've got a good answer, so that was good. What are you you into this week? Uh, I'm into cock this week. Cock? Yep. So on. <laughs> so earlier this week, I uh, <laughs> I went to a thing called the the Cock Initiative, which stands for Kings of Color. That you sent me like a thirty yes, second video. I did. Yeah, it's so uh, it's drag Kings of Color, and it was started by Zane Fallick. See what see what see what I his see name what is there. there. Yeah, yeah, good name. There. Yeah, I loved the drag kings. It's my first drag. Well. I saw a drag king in Vancouver a few years ago, but this was the first actual drag king show I've been mm-hmm. to. It's interesting because I was then thinking about that Madonna song of it's okay for, for girls to cut their hair short and to wear trousers because it's okay to be a man. But if boys do the same yeah. thing, it's not, you know, whatever those lyrics are. And so I said that to Tom and Tom's like, well, that that's very different because drag is about, well, it's not about trying to be a particular gender it's about impersonation and it's about commentary and it's about cabaret. And I thought that was quite interesting. It's not men trying to be women or drag queens. And yeah. RuPaul says that. He's like, have you ever seen a woman that's seven feet tall with four foot hair and three feet three yeah. feet heels, whatever the quote is? Um, but you can't put that out of your mind. And so this one where he was actively mocking men yeah. and mocking society was, was really, really good. I took a clip, so maybe we can put that on the website. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, I just thought that was it's not just about the look, it's about what you do in that persona and the commentary you make. It was yeah. Yeah. When I watched it, I came away, the whole of my commute the next day, I was like, I've got a persona, I've got a character, I knew who it was that I would be, what he would say. Loved it. Do you want to tell me more about that? Uh, it was going to be his name's Craigie. 
and uh, Craigie from Craigton. And he's uh, he's alright with feminism and that, but I need to drag the wings into it. See if you want to make a taxi driver feel like a prick just for seeing you have a nice arse. That's fine, that's fine. Make that guy feel like a prick. He maybe is. But see if you're going to stop a wee lassie wearing a princess dress. That's too much. That's too much. <laughs> Love it. Oh my god, I can't wait for the summer party. <laughs> <laughs> I've been promised that you're going to be doing an act at this year's summer party, and I can't wait. That is such an exact... Well, I mean, I might do it. You alluded to maybe... Perhaps possibly. Some, sometimes when I've been to the pub on my way home, I lip sync and strut down the sidewalk thinking I should have a house party where I can be a drag queen. And then I realise our ceilings are too low and we don't have much space. But it's a nice, it's a nice dream. <laughs> Imagine that. Going to the real estate agent. What do you need? High ceilings. Why? Because I love wigs. I love big wigs. <laughs> At last Halloween, <laughs> Halloween, where where I dressed up as Grisabella Dr- Tremaine, <laughs> Cinderella's ugly stepsister, I styled this wig so high that I had to bend down every time I went through a doorway. I blame the wig; it could be the heels. It could have been either. It could have been <laughs> you were big. Yeah, you were big that day. So we started off um, being a little bit excited about this being episode two. Yeah, um, and you made a you you were saying that almost a surprise like we're twice as far as you thought we might get i'm surprised at you so this week and i know we were going to talk about how we feel about keeping going with something yeah. this week the theme has been doubt oh really so we where do you think that came from oh competence fear um the first couple of blogs i wrote smashed them out like three minute things pff, done and then i had an idea about writing the cv thing and then yeah. i oh like the editing just took over and for the first time, I wasn't thinking about just what I was writing. I was thinking about the interpretation. And then if somebody read it, what would they think? And did yeah. Like, just that doubt of competence. I know that you have had it in the neck. Because for all of the edits, I'm like, is that too long? Do we sound staged? Is that okay? Like, there's just creeping yeah. doubt. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when we first started, it was just getting involved, reading loads of stuff, being really exciting. Now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, are we, are we any good? Yeah, it's interesting. I think I sent you um, that article that you said I should write a blog post on that I haven't written. <laughs> but it's about that kind of you start and you're a bit nervous, and then people that and there's an academic principle about it. But then you start and then you get a bit of skill. And you're like, I'm amazing. I'm totally awesome at this. I rock at this. And then you get to the fuck. There's so much I don't know. And so it goes from being like the arrogance of being a beginner to imposter syndrome and i think we did that that pretty yeah. quickly possibly um but yeah so much is in in my head and and last week i was talking about reading all these things about podcasts and so many of them said just do it just start don't get in your head figure out when's good enough but then the same blogs or the same podcasts will also say be clear on who your audience is make sure you've got a theme and you're like oh how do i make sure that it's right but also that I'd just do it. Yeah. I started talking to people more about what we were doing. Mm. I was getting some immediate feedback on kind of, I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. What do you mean you give up on stuff? How is that even like giving up on stuff is not a thing. That's the opposite of a thing. Yeah. Um, But then there were some people that immediately were just like, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That's like my board game. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just this little confessional moment of, I was going to start a glamping company. Do you want to know what the most cost-effective kind of tent is? And I'm like, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. As I've been in an office this week, 
for five days in a row. And I know I shouldn't complain about that because that's what most people do. But it was hard, okay? The struggle is real. <laughs> and um, on Monday, I... It's, it's funny, you get quite comfortable just being the new guy in the office. And yeah. So I was in on Monday and I was making a coffee. And this guy came over and turns out we used to work for the same company. He was there for a different time. And he was in a very different role. So he used to be a researcher. Then he went somewhere else and did something else. And now he's in operations. I'm like, oh, but that's cool. Like, we're doing this podcast on multi-potentialism, which is all about this idea that you find your niche through trying different things and then you take those skills with you. So, yes, you're in operations now, but in a research company and because you used to work as a researcher, you know what their needs are and, and actually you can probably do your job better because of that past role than, than if you just went straight into this one. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's like, oh, my God. Yes, you've articulated the way I felt for such a long time. I'm like, yes, win. And that was that was quite fun because that was then again validating that, yeah. no, we aren't the only people that feel this way, even though loads of people don't. And that's okay. So um, this week we're going to be talking about um, the time you quit university for the first time. Yes. Tell me the story because I think, you know, um, just briefly talking before, the, the story starts before university, right? Yeah. So in the summer of 1999... I was 17 years old. In the summer, sorry, after I left school and before I started university, my best friend died. Oh no. So she was, she was probably my first actual friend. Yeah. We moved around a lot when um, I was growing up. I was always the new kid in school. Um, so she was, she was the first person that I had a, a good friendship, solid, trusting friendship with. Yeah. Like teenage girls are notoriously bad we don't need to talk about that um, so I moved school in the new school that I was in there was homophobic bullying there was um, being a, the new kid at 16 15 16 anyway was difficult yeah um, it was a small highland community so people who are outspoken immediate red flags yeah. but she was my friend from the old school so um, she was super important to me she died in a car accident so sad um and it was that was in the july and i started university in the september mm. and nothing would have stopped me from going like nothing yeah you just wanted to get out um yeah i wanted to get out i wanted to be on my own um a lot of girls in my high school class were pregnant before we finished school like oh. it was a valid career choice a, yeah a life a life, a life that's what they did they were with, like, their parents had had them when they were 16 years old. They met a local boy, and then they got pregnant, and then that's what they were going to do. They yeah. were going to live down the road from their mum. And it wasn't a source of shame. No. It was a source of pride. My yeah. daughter is having a family, and she's going to grow up near me, and we are going to build a community. Yeah. I was not part of that. Maybe because I wasn't pretty enough for anyone to want to fuck. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> um... But yeah, I was I was like, mm. I have to get out of here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to university because that's what smart girls do. And that was the driver. I'm going to go because smart girls go. So it's about your identity and asserting your identity. Mm, so it's yeah. partly about leaving this town and this community, partly about just getting to the big city, but a lot of it is about owning the sense of identity that that is being smart and being surrounded yeah. by other people that are smart. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to study. I did work experience at graphic designers. Um, 
and this was like pre-web, so it was a wow, uh, like actual like, drawing. Yeah, actual <laughs> drawing. Um, so I did work experience there. I was like, I really enjoy this. I want to do this. I spoke to the art teacher. She was like, you don't have a portfolio. You can't do stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, then not that then. What can I do? I got an A in English without much effort. I really enjoyed creative writing. I'll do English. Like that, that was it. It was, I'm going to go. What is the thing that I will do when I get there? Yeah. How did you feel when you got there and there were all these people you didn't know? Was that scary or liberating or exciting i was excited to become the new version of me because i would either so you could reinvent yourself however you wanted i was either the weird lesbian who would pull up the captain of the rugby team for homosexual i'm sorry homophobic remarks i mean that's a freudian slip but you can read it either way Um, (laughs) so uh, that's where that came from I know I, in high school I didn't identify as a lesbian. I didn't have same gender partners. It was that I challenged other people's homophobia. So I was either Libby the lesbian or I was that girl who died's friend. <sighs> and oh, there was lots of are terrible, aren't mm, they? Well, I mean, they were. Tr- it's a small community, and they were trying to be helpful. But yeah, I was that girl who died's friend. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to go away and do all kinds of new stuff and meet new people and see who I was and do. But I was a child. I mean, yeah. I was 17, which is a child anyway. Um, but the environment in which I grew up in, my experience of the world, my understanding of who I was as a person, and what was overwhelming grief that wasn't addressed before I left home and attempted to live independently, um, just boiled up. I mean, my primary focus when I got to university was a social network that would support me. Yeah. Um, and I, I put all of my effort into that. Yeah. While I was there for my first year, my parents divorced. And so I didn't go home because I didn't want to be anywhere near the family home. Yeah. Um, and that was part of what that, that tension was building before I left as well. So it was just really about being out on my own. But <laughs> I, I left Glasgow five years ago. Yeah. And I left because I quit my job, dumped my boyfriend and moved 400 miles south in a kind of a big table flipping exercise. So yeah. I think maybe this was the first one of those. This, this was the first time that I yeah. thought, I'm not, I'm not comfortable. Everything needs to change. Absolutely everything needs to change. Yeah. Um, to, to some extent, like, if going to university is about getting an education, my, my parents always said you go to university to get an education, not a degree. Uh, is it fair that you actually got that? It sounds like it. Um, I feel like the shame that I felt as a result of failing at the university was greater than any benefit I got from learning during that time of my life. And that stopped me from starting new things. I tread water for years, um, trying to figure out what I want to do, being scared of education because it was So this idea that you must find that one thing you're good at held you back because you didn't want to, it was hard to find that one thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about my parents separating as having a big impact. I didn't think about the death of my friend as having a big impact. I didn't think about moving away from home at 17 as having a big impact. I thought, I have failed because I'm not as smart as I think I am. Yeah, which is really unfair because each one of those three things is a massive thing to have to go through. And to go through them at the same time. And actually, there's a fourth thing. Going to university is a big thing. The workload is more intense. You're doing a lot more independent work. Um... So to do all of that while you're actually dealing with other things that you don't 
really know you're dealing with because yeah. this is your reality. It's the first time you're doing them. When I quit, yeah, I remember phoning my dad and he was like, oh, how's uni? And I was like, mm, I don't think I'm going to go anymore. And he was like, yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. What? How did that make you feel? Uh, I felt like he had never believed that I would do it in the first place. Yeah. So he so was he... like, well, you know, it was worth a go, but... Yeah. I didn't think you'd make it this far anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... That's probably I... not what he meant, right? Well, uh, I don't talk to my dad right now. We don't have a good relationship. Um, but as I was writing notes for this, because I was like, gotta get my, my stationery out, write some notes for Richard... And I thought about my dad and his, his career path. And I thought about it in the context of what we're talking about, jumping around. Because he was an accountant and he was a photographer and yeah. he uh, was a chef. They were, owned a restaurant. He did a lot of different things and he jumped around. Yeah. And I remember thinking negatively about that. Yeah. That he, he didn't have any consistency to yeah. his career. Um, no, and but that didn't hold him back from doing other things. No, he did other stuff. And at the time, you could see like uh, he failed at all of these things, and and his marriage included, which is at the same time as he was having that conversation with you, yeah. and you were feeling down. But the reality could have, what is in his head could be going on is, that's okay. I didn't either, and it was fine. Yeah, life doesn't end. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but he could not articulate it in the way that you needed or to I hear it. Or I didn't hear it at the time. I, was, yeah. I just felt so guilty that I had gone off. I think yeah. maybe there was some hubris that I was like, I'm going and I'll get a degree and I'll do yeah. this without much thought as to what that actually meant. I remember being friends with someone who had friends in another high school and they got such pleasure from telling stories of people that didn't finish university. Because if that smart kid can't do it, well then street smart is better than book smart and they book smart at school and look it got there nowhere and and those conversations would instill this fear in me that what if what if i'm one of those people that gets to university and can't do it you know so yeah. this thing these these conversations happen and they plant these seeds in your head and they're all about doubt and then even that job that you had at the graphic design well you need to be able to draw and loads of big graphic designers yeah. nowadays can't can't draw they've got conceptual abilities mm -hmm. or they can make things happen but this idea that at 17 you need to be good at something otherwise that whole career path for the next 50 years that you could become good at something mm. is just out the door for if you if you want to get into graphic design you need to have a portfolio of watercolors and pencil sketches yeah last week um i went down to bristol to help a friend move into a new place mm -hmm. Um, and another friend came with me and it was brilliant. So we sat in the car, I haven't seen her for years. We just had this chat and, um, and then while we were there, she showed me this picture that she painted and it's amazing. So she's a pharmacist. She used to work with my mum, uh -huh. and she showed me this water painting of her and her husband standing on a beach in India or South Africa or somewhere looking out at the, it's beautiful. It's amazing. And I'm like, I didn't know you could paint. It's just like, well, neither could I. So what happened was there's someone in her community, she at her church, that um, developed dementia. Mm -hmm. And so she thought she'd give her partner a break by looking after this woman or doing something yeah. with her for like a couple of hours here. a week. Yeah. And yeah. And so what she did is she went to this group at church where they paint for a couple of hours every week. And it's not an art class. It's just people that want to make pictures come along. Mm -hmm. And some are professional artists and some literally color in, in a coloring book. 
And because it was after work, she literally got paper and watercolors could fit under her arm, so she took those. And by going week after week after week, just doodling, she's now developed the skill and she can now paint a picture. See, what's fascinating about that to me is that she didn't feel like she had to be good at it, and so she continued at it. Yeah, but exactly. And over time, she got good at something that she thought she couldn't do. Mm -hmm. She had in her identity, I can't draw, I'm not artistic, I can't paint. Um, and so she would never have done she and and yes she went she stuck at it but she didn't stick at it for the painting she stuck at it to care for somebody else and so if painting was her focus would she have stuck at it i often find that i'm good at stuff quickly and that might be because i have a broad experience and so i'm bringing in other things that i've learned elsewhere it might be that i'm used to being a beginner and so i pick it up quite quickly but there are things that i'll pick up and they click and they make sense and i quite quickly make fast progress so when there are things that i start that i don't quite quickly make fast progress in i think well i'm I'm just terrible at this i'd I'd, like i'd stumble and then i stop yeah because there's that um feeling that i have to be good at it to be allowed to continue to do it yeah so permission yeah and and it's funny who we think gives us that permission yeah, so some got, teacher um, somewhere in a small village in the highlands of Scotland. Who are these people that determine your future for even, So I've got boxing gloves. I decided I want to try that out. There's a gym straight across the road from the flat. It's got a heavy bag that no one uses. That'll be something I can do on my own. It's interesting training. And then I got the idea into my head that somebody would see me. They would see that I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And would approach me or stop me or try and assist me. I mean, it does happen, and I don't know if it's just a female perspective, but I have on a number of occasions had men approach me and say, do you want me to explain how that works? And I don't know if it's flirting or if it's trying to be helpful or whatever it is. It it does, it just happens. Do you want me to help you with that? And you're like, no, I'm fine. But maybe they were just being nice. They might have just been being nice, but it embarrassed me to the point that I stopped yeah. And now, so I was. So you haven't even started. No, haven't even started. I was yeah. at a gym in Clapham Junction, and when I got off the treadmill, the guy was like, "You're, you're running for too long." Oh my god! And I was like, "What are you? I'm sorry. Who what? is this guy? What like?" And he's like, uh, "The most effective training is hit, and so if you're running for any longer than like 10, 15 minutes, you're not doing it right." I was like, "I'm running so that I can get away off. from people like you." What? Like I had my headphones on. You're, this is unsolicited. Yeah. Advice, and I don't need it, and I don't want it. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to be nice, but I've still carried that. I, competence with competence brings permission. Oh, makes me so angry. Just oh, leave people alone. University, I felt so out of my depth. I had come from a, a, a small high school, yeah. and I was the smart one. Um, people were yet to discover how funny I am. But I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I was the smart one, and then I went to university, and everybody is the smart one. Yeah. Right. And and that can be liberating to some extent. That's partly why you went. Yeah. But then it's also really scary. And I I wonder, it, to some tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth. But to some extent, yes. While you didn't finish it, at the time you were running towards, whereas an alternative could have been running away. Yeah. And I wonder if that changes that you were running towards university, and in the process you got away from the small town and the fighting yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Whereas if you just went to Glasgow and was like, "Fuck it, I'm out of here." That's got a very different... Yeah, and university gave me a structure. So I lived in university halls that yeah. were supervised. I had things that I was... So there was a structure there and there was a level of supervision yeah. and there was a level of guidance. So it was real life was training wheels. 
um, was what it was great for. It really was real life with training wheels. Um, I didn't learn as much as I could, um, but there's ways I could have addressed that myself. Yeah. There are support networks. There are counselling services. There are yeah. um, members of my family. There, there are things that I could have done that I would have. Yeah. But I mean, either way, I where I am now, I don't need a degree in English literature for. Yeah. Um, I've paid off my student debt. I have friends from university who I see um, growing up and moving on to their second degrees or third. Like yeah. the, there was a real sense of this is the laboratory in which we create ourselves yeah. so that the next age we can do something different. But my God, I met so many people, so many different types of people, yeah. so many uh, different backgrounds all at once. It was a huge melting pot. Um, yeah. That, that led to the person I am today. Fantastic. Oh, thank you. Would you. What would you say to other small town lasses in the Highlands of Scotland? I would say know what it is that you want to study Yeah. and don't allow your ego to make that decision. So I went to the University of Glasgow to study English literature um, because that's, you know, that's what smart girls do. But if I had thought about what I actually wanted to do, I might have gone to a local college. I could have gone to Inverness. That was about an hour away. Yeah. It would have been a, a closer distance. I could have gone home more often. I could have studied art or something yeah. creative at a local college, or I could have done a bridging qualification to get what I needed to go and do it at an art school. Um, think about what, what it is you actually want to study. I am a huge fan of um, academia, of the environment, of the focus on education and personal betterment. Um, but I think there's a snobbery that's associated with yeah. university yeah. and those old arts degrees, which aren't as relevant. as yeah. I, I mean, when people got English literature degrees, that was a time when people went to university because their trust fund paid for it. Yeah. Think about what it is you enjoy doing, not what it is you want, enjoy telling people that you do. Yeah, so in contrast, my little brother went to a technical university, did a degree in computing, graduated with honours, and has been in that field ever since. But yeah, he, I mean, he has been a solid path. And so there was always that touch point of, I mean, we have the same background and the same family and the same upbringing, yeah. and he has made a success of it, so... Has he, though? No. You live in London. I know. Yeah. My fabulous lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And you've got a podcast. Does he have a podcast? No. Exactly. Libby, thanks for sharing that. It was um, an interesting story, and I really appreciate the honesty that we have with each other. Yeah. I Yeah. I, I feel like we're in a little safe space down here. I mean, literally safe. Stuff. We could survive a nuclear <laughs> war in this bunker if what we want to eat is oil paint and abandoned sports equipment. We'd, we'd have water from the dehumidifier to drink. <laughs> yeah. So if you could go back as 36-year-old Libby and talk to 17-year-old Libby, yeah. what would you say to her? Sleep with more people. Like, more? <laughs> where, where would she find the time? Um, worry less about what people think about you. Mm. I mean, if you want to have an affair with someone, I mean, do that. It doesn't matter what other people think because the people that are around you when you are at university, much the same as the people that are around you when you are at school, there are maybe one or two that you will keep in touch with for the rest of your life. Yeah. 
the rest of them just drift off. They just drift away. You're not there together because you're all similar souls. You're there together because you're all getting a degree, not even the same degree. Yeah. So choose the people that are important and do everything you can to maintain those relationships because they will contribute to your quality of life. Yeah. But the rest of them can fuck off. <laughs> like, don't, mm. yeah, just stop wasting energy mm. thinking what they think matters is what I would say to 17 year old. Also, ha- start a pension. <laughs> <laughs> quit smoking and put that money in a pension because 36 year old Libby does not want to be working into her 80s <laughs> sort that shit out it's okay you and I can just jump off one of the bridges I'm attempting to marry well <laughs> what about how does Jim feel about that <laughs> does that mean the wedding's off <laughs> No, he is my marrying well. What do you uh, mean? Oh, oh. oh. okay. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> I, I was listening to this um, show was like years ago. It just said, oh, it used to be like in the past, like, it's so good. You could just like change jobs, move cities and get rid of people. But now with Facebook, everyone just fucking clings on to you forever. You just can't get rid of people. You don't have Facebook. I don't have Facebook. Yeah, no, neither do I. And it's so liberating. Facebook is not a, like, people were saying, mm. oh my God, Facebook sucks up all of my information. We should protest that. It's not a utility. Yeah, just it stop isn't. using it. Yeah, you don't my have to do My favourite is people using Facebook to like moan about Facebook. Uh, copy and paste the status and then Facebook won't own all of your content. And yeah, bullshit. Oh. So Facebook's true. doing this thing right now where they ask you to download a VPN for safety. Okay. So a VPN is a connect uh, mm-hmm. network connection. Yeah, yeah. Like people might use it to access their work intranet outside or of work. Or download torrents without or, yeah, or stopping watch you into American the Netflix. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. No, yeah. Um, not, not that I do it. Disclaimer. <clears throat> so Facebook's like, hey, do you want to download this VPN for safety? We care about you, safety. And what it does is it tracks all of your internet traffic from that device through that VPN. So Facebook's no longer <laughs> just taking all of your likes, all of your friends, all of your friends' likes, all of your content. It's every other website that you hit from that device through their VPN. Wow. To augment their profile of of you. Get rid of that. So I think we mentioned in episode one how um, that book, like, How to Give Fewer Fucks, whatever it's called. Um, (laughs) And so basically I got rid of Because I was getting so, like, angry about people I never spoke to at university that we were friends with on Facebook because when Facebook came out, they were on and I was on. We were Facebook friends. And it's like, they don't, we don't know each other other than in this online world where yeah. we post only the things about ourselves that we want people to... No, bullshit. Do you know what? Facebook wasn't around when I was in university. And thank, thank God fuck for that. Thank for that, yeah. yeah. Anything you want to add to this episode two? Um, so I wanted to bring along um, Perfect Bound Magazine, which is just really cool. It's just like... So a friend was sitting around with a bunch of friends one day. I think they were having dinner, like, Sunday lunch, and they were like, oh, there's no magazines like Life magazine when we were kids, you know, that you just kind of, you know, everything's online, but what's happened to that Sunday afternoon, cosy, sitting on the sofa, paging through this this beautiful magazine? So they launched their own magazine. In this world of, like, everything going online, they're actively making it not... I love that. So it's Perfect Bound... That's the name. It's yeah, yeah. beautifully bound. And the way it's printed is just beautiful, thick pages, beautiful Ooh. photographs. It's just so lovely to handle. Tactile. So tactile. Yeah. But there's so many wonderful articles. Like, 
um, there's a travel section and then there's a, a story about this photographer friend who um, used to plan the street party and it's just so the theme is wild and yeah. so it's everyone's interpretation of that theme and it's just amazing and I just love this idea that they were they went and made something happen they sat around and was like wouldn't that be awesome yes it would be awesome let's do it fine yeah awesome let's go um, but it's basically a hobby, I think. So, yeah. so the first one, it, it's expensive. It's ten pounds um, for a magazine, which mm. is quite pricey, and it's not everywhere. So, how do we get in it? <laughs> how do we get in it? I'm yeah. seeing him on Monday. Maybe I'll, I'll just. I mean, that's all I want. Hey. Well, I mean, this podcast hey. shit. Put that. Like, yeah, let's I, now just I don't know. Get in magazines. I don't know how many photos they can take down. Well, there's one with the sewing machine and the guitar and the. Let camping get equipment. them to make the theme for the next one sitting on camping chairs in a basement yeah a magazine about basement hobbies what, or what do you get up to in your basement oh my god we'd be the least interesting people in that episode so yeah so thanks for listening to episode two um it's been fun having you i'm richard and i'm libby and tune in next week for episode three where we'll be talking about why i quit catholicism <gasps> controversial it is can't wait